The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Talking season is over, and it is time to make a full-blown set of picks for week one. And thankfully, week zero is over. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, September 1st. There will be games tonight. We've already picked those by the time you're listening to this, but we will pick all of the games coming up over the next three days. Reese Davis along with Pete Thamel and the great Stanford Steve on the eve of his full-time college game day debut, although he was with us in the past. I'm not sure what kind of nerves Steve is dealing with right now. Pete, what do you think? I think, uh, I think no nerves. I think no nerves at all. I think uh, I, I am curious about this, by the way, and I can I'll certainly hijack the beginning of the show. I have no problem doing that. I want to know what Steve feels about the Pac-12. Like he loves college football as much as anyone. He played in the league. He's obviously Stanford Steve. He's played at Stanford. And I just have no idea what you think about where we are. I wanted to ask you last show, but the flow didn't allow it. And uh, yeah, we need we need we need this is a hijacking. I, I now I have I have a ski mask on, and we're uh, we're, we're jumping in. It sucks. It absolutely sucks, guys. Uh, that's the only way I could put it. Uh, I do feel it was a long time coming uh, when you saw the writing on the wall with what has happened in years previous uh, and, and what has happened with teams leaving. And the idea of the leadership, uh, I just think, is, is, is brutal. When you talk about the conference – all the way down to the schools. And I know the conference is in a new regime. And listen, Klyovkov, I I thought he was in a no-win situation when he took the job because there was too much. Uh, And then you just saw the dominoes fall. Um, But I just – I I mean, you guys have been to the majority, if not all, the campuses. Those campuses are are different. Um, And every one of them has its own inkling, which makes it awesome. And – I'm always the believer where the Pac-12 got penalized when you lost in in conference uh, because, first of all, no one really was watching because it was late at night. And, you know, everybody just assumes places aren't tough to play. Uh, I would challenge teams to go out to Tempe, Arizona and play a night game when it's 100 degrees. Uh, The the conference brought challenges uh, that were just not brought up, I thought. And it's it's just brutal. Just seeing what it gave me and seeing what I was able to experience in that conference and seeing all the good that it, that it's produced. Uh, and the problem is, you know, with recency bias here, guys, we, we are jacked up for the Pac-12 this year. We, we, we are dying to talk about these teams. It's going to be awesome. Both, you know, a bunch of these teams are probably going to beat each other up and cost a team to make the playoff and then poof, it's going to be gone. So um, it's brutal. Uh, it'll always be there uh, for me because we lived it. Uh, but it's, uh, it's 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 just sad to see uh, for all those involved and knowing that it, it's going to be gone. There were so many great memories growing up, college football fan, watching USC, uh, you know, watching UCLA, watching those two play each other. In the moments when I was a kid, it was primarily those two. But then Washington had some great moments. And then, of course, uh, since I've been in broadcasting, I've had some of my most memorable game calls and game day experiences at Oregon. And I, too, uh, love the Pac-12 and am very sad to see its demise. I do wonder, not to be Mr. Negative here, but I will be anyway. Do you agree with my 
my notion. I think one of the problems and the biggest problem, and I think I said this to George Klyavkov at one point early on after he took over, the biggest problem with the Pac-12 wasn't that there wasn't a care about football. It's just that it wasn't in the fabric of the entire culture of all of those universities. When they didn't win, it didn't get as intense as it does, say, in the SEC or in what's soon to be SEC with Texas, Oklahoma, but you know, some places in the ACC. It's important, and there were great players, great moments, great competition, but in terms of the passion for it, with a few exceptions, I mean, Oregon, when they're rolling, Utah's a great place to play, SC if they're winning, all of those things, um, you know, are, are they're great environments. But it's not the same there in terms of it being part of the part of the fabric of the university and the culture. Is that a fair critique? It's not a criticism, it's a critique. No, it's it's totally true, Reese. And and the thing is, it's from the top to the bottom. You know, everybody loves a winner. We we get it. You know, and, and you mentioned Oregon. I think Oregon is just an absolute example, one A of what it could be. You know, I, I went out there and, in, in, you know, I went out to Stanford in 96. That's that's a couple of years removed from Brooks's Rose Bowl team. But when you went there, it was a different world, man. You go to Seattle with UW, you talked about the what they had established in the early 90s. It was the loudest place I've ever played in. It was, I mean, different, like just totally different. But when you think about it, it you're right. And I think of like prioritization. Right. I mean, say go back to 2020. We're coming out of COVID. You look at what the SEC is doing. You look at what the ACC is doing. Knowing the first step we have to do to get out of this muck is get football going. (laughs) And I get it. I've said it, you know, plenty of times prior. I get California had the state restrictions and every state out there had a lot more, you know, strenuous circumstances than we did in the, on the East Coast, whatever you have there but there still was no sense of urgency. They didn't realize what they had. They didn't realize how, how to get up off the deck. There wasn't a plan in place. And it's, it, like I said, it's, it just sucks. It's, it's brutal to see because also, like you mentioned all the good. Like I, I remember making a decision going to college. My birthday is January 1st. I thought it would be the coolest thing ever to play a game on my birthday. I did that on my last possible game, playing against Rondane in the Rose Bowl and being in the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 2000. Like, it was just not other conferences could could do that. You know, that wasn't possible going other places. And Stanford brought its own, you know, cup of tea to the table, and and, and that's what was an exciting factor. But, oh, it's gone. It's gone. It, it, it's just gone, and that's that's like we're going to talk about it and talk about it until I see it next year. It's it's even going to be sadder. That that's the other problem. I think it's going to disappear, and people are hardly going to realize the moment that it's gone. You know, I yeah. I think it was yep. uh, who was it was it Rice in Houston that played that final old SWC game and moved kickoff and shot off the lights at the end. I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to do that. Pac-12 after dark. There. Oh, I know. I Pete and I talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. I felt like that uh, Stanford and Cal should move their game to like maybe the same Saturday that Army Navy play. Or to championship yeah. Saturday, or even Sunday after. Say we're going to be the last, the last conference game played, no matter we'll what. We're going to do that and turn the lights out. But in the meantime, it is going to be great competition this year. Mm-hmm. Tremendous quarterbacks, some exciting uh, new beginnings at uh, 
even if they are on their way out the door, at least for a swan song at places like Arizona State, at places like Colorado. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see them. And so the good thing about Saturday is that's when the games began. And it's still a story, realignment, but we won't care as much, at least for those 14 or 15 Saturdays that we have. And that's going to be a glorious thing. Are are you fellas ready to pick some games here on the podcast? Tell my bosses to not care about realignment. Could you do that? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Like I said, we will absolutely. I'd be happy to stop making those phone calls No, 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 no. I don't mean that, Pete. We will care about realignment. We have to. But the rank and file fans, they're going to be yeah, interested I, and they're going I to know. say, yeah, yes. tell me if Tulane's going to cover against the Jaguars of South Alabama. That's what most fans want to know or talk about my team. So um, can I can I sum it up this way, Reese? Like no matter how dysfunctional college football is, no matter how bad the suits try to mess it up, when that foot hits the ball, that full first opening Saturday, it's the most beautiful thing in sports. Like eat, no matter how hard they try – the product, I would argue, is the best it's ever been, and it continues to get better. And God bless college football. You know, that's the that's, cannot wait. That's the whole thing, Pete. Is that fans are interested in the all of the maneuverings that go on? They're interested because it impacts their team. It impacts whether their team can win a championship. But they don't watch because of that. It's sort of like the notion when everybody got mad about nil. Well, I'm never watching again. That's like the pros. Yeah, no, never mind. We like college football. That was a talking point for years. Like everything. We like everything about college football. We don't like everything that happens, but all of the pageantry, the tradition, the history, the stars, the coaching personalities, all of those things that come together to make it, I think, the, I think the best of all sports and certainly, uh, certainly the best regular season. And that's the other thing. You better enjoy this regular season. Yeah. Even if you finish fifth. Because we are paying a price for the expanded playoff. It is probably time to pay the price due to the business. I understand that. But don't fool yourself into thinking it's not a price that's going to be paid. Of these gargantuan regular season games. Of intersectional games having all of these meanings in terms of bragging rights and power of conference and how the rest of their schedule is regarded. That's G-O-N-E gone after this year gone. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay with a lot of people, but I think it is a price it's paid. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Like very, very fair. Totally. Very, yeah. very, very well, uh, very well said. Taylor. So I apologize for my hijacking. No. I will take my ski mask off and now we can continue <laughs> making picks. Don't, how long have you, how long have you and I, you and I have become very good friends, haven't we, Pete? Yeah. We, we've developed a very nice relationship, right? Yes. Yeah. Given uh, certain recent circumstances involving a well-traveled player. Why would you try to end my career by putting something right out there for me <laughs> to make a play on, and I'm going to avoid it? But just know that in my head, there are a lot of walk-right-up-to-the-line jokes going on in my head right now. So, Taylor, please save me and let, <laughs> let us pick some games because I don't want to – Assume anyone is guilty until proven so legally. Okay, no matter what videotape says. Weekend Preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Psst, the secret to winning games this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. 
Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate to unforeseen heights. Okay, I better stop. Taylor, I ask you to stop me, please. My apologies. Okay. Keeping this podcast mafia adjacent with the, uh, the ski mask <laughs> reference. So yeah. you gotta, you we gotta need one horse head in the bed reference every episode. Oh, <laughs> All right. It, it's week one. Race for the ribeye. The stakes are stakes. And the week zero results. Steve oh, with a strong showing. He went four and three. Pete, five and two. Reese almost put the zero in week zero, but Jacksonville State saved him. He went one and six. So I would rather uh, Jacksonville I went five and two or two and five. I'm sorry, two and five. Yeah, good. That's what I, I numbers I'd dyslexic. Much, I much here. rather would have gone over because there's at least I used to work the NBA tonight early in my ESPN career with uh, Fred Mad Dog Carter, who was on ah. that 1976 uh, 1972-76 Sixers team that went nine and seventy three, and whenever. Someone threatened that Fred always <laughs> wanted them to win because he didn't want to, you know, he wanted the distinction of, you know, if you're going to be horrible, you might as well be horrible. So I would have rather uh, Rich Rod not cut. I don't begrudge him the win, but I wish he hadn't covered and I would have just gone over. You're officially on the apathy trailer to Tanksville. Yeah, exactly. there, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tanking for Caleb or crumbling for Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Is that new? I don't, can you trademark that? No, crumbling no, no. I read Caleb? it someplace. I read, oh, you there, read it somewhere. There, there right. were like I was like, a, that's clever. There were like a list of, uh, how about careening? Can you careen yeah, for there, Caleb? There were a list of choices about oh, okay. what you would do. Mm. Um, how about, and you know, you know, my affinity for Drake May, maybe it's a malaise for May. Mm. I think like you need dumping, one of the malays to get to number two. Yeah, dump, <laughs> dumping for Drake. <laughs> dumping for Drake. There you go. Dumping. Yeah. All right. What do you have? Give us something, Charlie. What do you have? All right. Fresno State at Purdue. Purdue, a three and a half point favorite. This is at noon on Saturday. Let's go, Reese, Steve, Pete. I really like Purdue's hire in the debut of Ryan Walters as a head coach. What a great job he did as defensive coordinator at Illinois. I think that they got the best uh, in terms of underrated transfer quarterbacks. Mm. They scored with their transfer quarterback in Hudson Card. And with that said, I'm still going, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Fresno State. All right. I'm, uh, I was wondering what the odds were a year ago at this time, guys, if you could have told me the starting quarterbacks in this game were going to be Mikey Keene and Hudson Card. Like, you talk about the transfer portal working in, in wondrous ways. That is, that's an all-timer. Uh, I've watched this line. It's gone down. Uh, I think it opened at six. I, I just I, – there's a sense of me with Tedford having a plan. And Hainer's one of the, my favorite players in the most recent years. He loses him. He brings Keen in. I still think Purdue has a lot to work out with, uh, work out as far as the roster goes. So when in doubt, it's week one. I'm going to take I know they lost a lot on defense, but I'm going to take Fresno plus the points as the underdog. So I'm going to use Hudson Card as my guiding light in this. Uh, when he transferred from Texas to Purdue, Ryan Walters was excited. When I went out uh, and saw Ryan Walters this spring when I was at the Combine, he was like elated. Mm. When I saw him this spring uh, at, the, at the meetings in Arizona, at the airport actually, he was over the moon. This camp, he's even f- over like Jupiter excited. Mm. Like the, the, 
the way he is viewed in that building, and, and remember the uh, guy who started there, Aiden O'Donnell, has been really one of the better rookies in the preseason uh, for yep. the Raiders. He's really been he's really been good. And now Aiden O'Donnell, a great quarterback, not a great athlete, like not a great athlete by his own admission. Um, you know, he's a walk on uh, coming out of high school, limited, but great anticipation, great thrower, and it looks like he's going to have a fine NFL career uh, as a backup, maybe more. Uh, but the excitement about Hudson Card and the comparisons to O'Donnell. Um, just from the veteran people in that building who, who've carried over staffs or through the roof. So if Hudson Card is a fraction of the optimism, I'm going to take Purdue. Next up, West Virginia heading to Happy Valley. Penn State, a 20 and a half point favorite. We try and keep these, uh, these picks a little bit tighter here with the spreads, but interesting out of conference game here. Let's go Steve Pete Reese. Love the matchup. Remember back in the day uh, when these teams, I mean, West Virginia was at a higher profile back then. I think the last time they beat them was that national championship run they had, right? 88. Um, That's right. It looks like Pete Garrett Green for West Virginia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy who started late last year yep. led him to the win over Oklahoma, I believe, and maybe Oklahoma State too. Got it. And as much as everyone wants James Franklin to say Drew Aller's going to be the quarterback, he still has not. I assume he will be the guy talking to people around the program. They love what they've seen. I still think I need to see what he looks like in a road game, and that's going to happen in a couple weeks when they go to Champaign. Mm. Uh, I, I think Penn State has all the makings. I, I, I picked them to make the playoff, uh, so I expect big things. 20 and a half, though. That's a lot. Uh, I think West Virginia is plenty motivated for this game. Tough environment, uh, but I'm going to take the 20 and a half. So I'm going to take the 20 and a half as, as well. Uh, I really feel like West Virginia strength is their offensive line. They return 100 plus starts. They return all five of their starters. They have an identity up front. And if you're going to go into one of those environments and cover, right? You're going to last. You're not going to get blown off the ball. That's where it's uh, that's where it's going to start. And I do feel like for Drew Aller's first start, and I'm going to say he's starting, Steve, even if James isn't. Uh, I don't feel like they're going to throw four verts, you know, for the first six drives, right? They're going to ride those great tailbacks. They're going to ride that great offensive line with Olufashano. But I just feel like the pace of the game to me doesn't feel like a blowout pace of the game. You know, just like I said about Notre Dame Navy. That's right. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to take my uh, I'm going to take my near three tutties and uh, and and really this is the game day play Reese because I think if West Virginia covers uh, our covered wagons potentially obviously and these decisions aren't run by uh, by by me certainly uh, our covered wagons could end up on the uh, country roads to Morgantown in week three which would be a lot of fun for a certain former kicker. <laughs> I'm I'm not rooting for either team. Pete often likes to remind our audience that we don't root. I do root for the story, and I root for the game day site from time to time. And West Virginia needs to stay in this game in yeah. order to give us a good chance of going to Morgantown for the backyard brawl, which would be tremendous fun, would be a great environment, would be an unbelievable scene. And I don't see it, man. I mean, mm. West Virginia was outgained by nearly 100 yards per game last year in Big 12 play. They lost their best defensive lineman. Uh, <laughs> and now here come here comes Fashanu and Singleton and that running game from Penn State and a pretty salty defense, I think. Um, 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way and I'm gonna lay him and laugh with the uh, Nittany Lions at home. And if I'm wrong, uh, well, I've been wrong before. This was evidenced by week zero. I can live with it. I'm a big boy, and I will also have the consolation prize of it. Perhaps will give us an opportunity to go to Morgantown, which I would absolutely love to do in a couple of weeks. Next up, Steve's Roadrunners, UTSA, two-point favorite on the road at Houston. That's at 7 o'clock Eastern. Let's go Pete, Reese, Steve. All right. Uh, Meep, meep, right? Like the Roadrunners' home favorites. Uh, Interesting backstory to this is that uh, if Dana Holgerson is ever unceremoniously removed from his job uh, at the University of Houston, the man across the sideline, Jeff Trailer, would be the uh, hands-down favorite to replace him for the fighting Tillman Fertitas. So uh, I imagine that storyline is not going to be lost on each gentleman wearing a headset on uh, on on Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Saturday game, right? Saturday, Saturday? yeah, Saturday. In Houston, I believe. I'm at the point in the year where I've already like I, I don't know what day it is, so I like I already got the Florida game wrong, and in, in the story I sent in today, the desk caught it thankfully. But yeah, I'm I'm a big not know what day it is guy this time of year, and I'm I'm really like I'm, I'm really hitting hitting midseason form in week one, thankfully. So I'm going to uh, meet meep and take Mr. Trailer Frank Harris year seven, uh, plenty of skill and weapons, ability to move the ball. I just you know like you you hate you'd hate to think like. Houston isn't proven. They have Donovan Smith, uh, who, who comes in. They, they've lost some skill. Alton McCaskill went to uh, went to Colorado. They do have a uh, dynamic left tackle in Patrick Paul, who's who's an NFL guy. But I just I am I am skeptical of their offense, which is not something you would say about Houston. So I am going to uh, road run by a field goal. I'm with you. That was a great game last year. Who can forget Clayton Tune going up and converting that two point conversion as both teams pulled certain losses out of the fire at various junctures and Houston eventually won the game. Even though UTSA is stepping up in conference class this year, I think they might be the best team outside the group of five. We'll have an opportunity to see that if they can navigate their schedule and maybe uh, face off with Tulane late in the season. Maybe it happens a couple of times. But I think UTSA is the better team here. Played them off their feet last year. You mentioned Harris. Uh, he won't have uh, Zachary Franklin, who transferred to Ole Miss, and it seems as if Ole Miss might not have him for a while, too. He's been battling some injury, but I think they still have plenty of weapons there, and I'm going to go with uh, with UTSA to win what I'm sure will be a close game, but the spread's like two and a half, so I'm going to lay the points and go with the Roadrunners. Yeah, this game was a big – you mentioned last year, Reese. This game's a big deal, especially for UTSA. Uh, you saw how heartbroken they were. I mean, that place was sold out last year, had to lead and let it slip away. And trailer, I mean, they they had them. They played Texas ha- tough for a half last year. And that's what I love about trailer. He's lost two coordinators the last two years, and this team's right back where he wants them. Uh, I'm biased. I just love everything he's built there. Uh, and I, I think it's a, it's a perfect way to start up uh, this season, going on the road, playing an instinct rival, and still they're they're a two point favorite now. But he knows they're the underdog. Houston's the bigger school, the bigger conference, uh, and I I, I got to go with the Roadrunners here. North Carolina, South Carolina in Charlotte. The Tar Heels a two and a half point favorite. Pete has challenged the Tar Heel fans to uh, to show up for game day and for the game. So 
Let's see if they can do that. Reese, you can lead us off. That has been aggregated a few places, by the way. So I can (laughs) only imagine the delight on Reese's face if I'm getting heckled by like one random Carolina fan at quarter to nine on Saturday morning. Don't worry. You'll be being celebrated by a throng of cocky fans. I'm sure they're going to show up. Garnet's going to be ready to go. Get rid of the chicken curse. But I'm pretty sure that I would be impeached as the president of the Drake May fan club Mm. if I did not go with the Tar Heels to lay the points in cover. Tez Walker, I guess he's going to have his pads and his cleats and his uni with him in case he gets a last-minute call from the NCAA governor and is allowed to play. But I think they'll have enough weapons. Got a great tight end. Steve would love that, I'm sure. And they've got either the second-best 1A or tied for the best quarterback in America. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler's going to have a big year. I love what Beamer's done and is doing already a star and a rising star in the coaching ranks but I'm going to go with the better quarterback making enough plays in the home state and the battle of the Carolinas goes to Carolina and you know exactly who I mean (laughs) Um, yeah this one's a tough one because you got the conference with the SEC we know what that brings to the table but then on the other side you mentioned them uh, Reese, the quarterback. In a game like this, when I think the rosters are comparable, regardless of the conference, it's really tough because I look at South Carolina, they just have more guys that have played defense on their team. I, I think that's a difference here. And you mentioned Walker and that thing. If they don't have him, it's another difference maker. I like Nesbitt, the tight end. Uh, he's not a put-your-hand-in-the-dirt tight end, but he's a difference maker uh, throwing the football. And seeing reports out of Columbia with Knox getting healthy and and Juice uh, Juice Wells being healthy, I'm going to take the points here uh, with South Carolina. My one thing about this, I've been thinking about it all, all season, off season, when I saw these two teams playing week one. I get everybody loves the social media deal and ever. I just wish the winner of this game, because they both did it all last year, don't act like you've never won a game before. Just just take it in stride. I mean, they are out of control with the social media and the videos and the talking mess. And Is there going to be that, mayonnaise involved, by the way? I don't think – I hope not. I hope not. not. I hate I, mayonnaise. Yeah, I'll throw up. Uh, yeah. But oh. I'm going to take cocky uh, plus the points there. Oh, maybe there needs to be a mayonnaise bet on this. Okay. No. No, I will not no. take part in it. <laughs> Zero chance. So we need to introduce uh, Stanford Steve Reese to our man crush because I feel like he he should develop one this year. Mine was Quinton Johnston last year. Uh, well, well har- harnessed throughout the year, even through his sort of quiet September. I, I I stayed I stayed on him and it paid off. Reese loves him some Drake May that smooth throwing motion. So I haven't picked one quite yet. I, I had like a, a half pick the other day. I don't remember who it was though. Um, so Steve, just just remember as as you're watching late night that you're uh, that at some point you're gonna have to have one already. If you oh, want, oh go, who do you got? Cade Stover, tight end at Ohio State. Oh, uh, Farmer I just, Gronk. I just hope Farmer Gronk. He lays off Bale and Hay on Christmas Day this year <laughs> if they are going to be in the playoff game again. <laughs> That's all I want. I want the kid healthy. I absolutely love what he brings to the table. That's my guy, Cade Stover. This year. I guess you'd have to have your man crush be a tight end, right? Like absolutely. Michael yeah. Mayer was last year, so yeah. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. you know. Yes, he was targeted 612 times last year, too, so you got a lot of reps out of it. 
I am going to take South Carolina. Uh, it is a pure vote of no confidence in the North Carolina defense. I know all the star rankings, and I know all these guys who came in as decorated recruits. They got absolutely mowed over last year. And until they show they can offer modest resistance, I will pick the opposition. So I am going to take uh, cocky over the not-so-fighting Chiswicks. I really want to see Nicholas Harbor from South Carolina in this game, yes. too. Really excited to see him play. Maybe a, a burst onto the scene um, quickly and make himself a household name in short order. Next up, Toledo. Little, little off-season buzz. They're headed to Illinois. Illinois, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's go Steve, Pete, Reese. Love the matchup. Uh, probably the best team in the MAC. Daquan Finn's got to be up there as far as snaps played for quarterbacks that are playing in week one for the school they started at. Uh, key inkling there. Uh, but Altmeyer, I, you know, you talk to people. It's a guy that I always wanted to see more at Ole Miss. And then, you know, there was a quarterback situation there thrown into a brutal spot uh, a couple of years ago in the Sugar Bowl. But Bielema is a guy where I just feel like he's got his foundation. Now, Pete, can you tell me, are we going to have Jim Leonard on the sidelines? Is he up in the box for Illinois? I, I don't know. I and don't Pat know. And Pat Fitzgerald's there too, right? He, he's just an analyst, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that means a lot of times analysts are, you know, in theory, yeah. he's not making, not making calls, at least in just, theory. Just something yeah. to keep but he can, on. But he can whisper – you know, yeah. like it's not the communication is yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in, 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 in a deeply enclosed. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not I'm not naive to how this works, but just yeah. in theory, uh, yeah. I'm going to go against taking an underdog here. I'm going to lay him with Illinois. I just think the defense they have, I like I said, Bielema has that foundation of what he wants in his team. And I think. When that team plays well against a Mac school, that's the way Illinois is built. It's a suffocating feeling, and it's it's a 60-minute deal that Mac schools just aren't ready for. Uh, as much as I love that Toledo has their quarterback, receiver, running back back, I still think Illinois has the guys up front that make that are the difference when a Big Ten team plays a Mac school. I'll lay the 9.5 with Illinois. As I'm wont to do here, Stanford, Steve, I like to sometimes doll up some some sleeper knowledge. Potential uh-huh. man crush, maybe. Uh, NFL scouts are gaga over Quinion Mitchell, who is uh, Toledo's tight end, uh, Toledo's corner. Uh-huh. Um, I, the, the whole Giants like scouting staff was at Toledo the other day. Uh, I've, I've randomly called two other scouts, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm on my way to Toledo. I'm on my way to Toledo." So the world is ready for him to like burst out. He is probably a top three round pick now, um, but could be could be much higher. There were many, many, many six figure offers for him to go to bigger places. So credit to Toledo, credit to Jason Candle. They kept. Their stars. They kept Daquan Finn. They kept Quinion. They kept the dudes who they needed coming off the MAC title. Like that's going to be sad when these these group of five teams that go on and win league titles just have fire sales to to SEC and Big Ten schools. And it's coming. You know what I mean? And we've yeah, seen it. It's basically been tag sales. You're just waiting for the fire. Sales. Correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can Amazon Prime a yeah. roster. Uh, <laughs> From there. So uh, a lot of credit to uh, the AD Brian Blair and the whole staff there at Toledo for identifying immediately having offers ready to keep these guys. Uh, this is uh, one of Jason Candle's best teams. They will not be afraid. Uh, the way he calls plays and the way he coaches is, uh, you know, is something that will they will go in with it with an edge that a lot of his teams have. Remember when they went to Notre Dame and were up late? Yeah. 
a couple seasons ago. Um, you know, they've beaten BYU. They've beaten a lot of teams during his during his tenure there. So I don't think the Rockets are going to win, but the the same suffocating style Sanford Steve mentioned that should lead to domination against a MAC team also leaves the door open for a close game. Um, okay. Yes, but Brett Bielma did bring two defensive tackles to media day, which has, I've never seen before. It will never happen again. One of them is Johnny Newton, who will be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's uh, He is a hoss, but uh, mm-hmm. if Toledo's going to win, they're going to win on the edge, not up the middle. Maybe one of the most compelling questions about this Illinois team is when you have a really, really cool name like Jerzon, why do you all of a sudden go for Johnny? You know, is yeah. the one you go by, but everyone doesn't have your affinity for uh, enunciation. So, <laughs> actually, at media day, I asked the Illinois SID. I was like, I could just call him Johnny, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, I've nobody ever calls him Joseph. I was like, great. That's, I, uh, I may try to make it stick. You know, I've I've go I've for got it. the platform for it. They've got another. He's a character too. Big personality, great kid. What, uh, did they bring you know, one of those spaces of the programs you want? Was Randolph the other guy they brought to media days? Was yes. Defense? Okay, yeah. they've got yes. a great defensive front, but. In each of the first two years under Bielema, they've had they've had a stumble. Now I know they were like a you know one point dog against Indiana last year, but that was a bad yeah. outfit, and they oh. and they found a way to lose the game. UTSA first year, you may give him a pass, mm-hmm. but I think Toledo's good enough to stick around. Is too many points to give with a quarterback that hasn't played a lot. Now that maybe they line up and run over them, but I'm willing mm-hmm. I'm willing to to bet that. Toledo scores enough points to stay close, and they have a chance to win the game. Wait, even though I like Illinois, I'm going to take Toledo in the points and saying that that is the chance for the Mac over Big Ten upset that is not all that uncommon. Do you remember when Toledo beat uh, Penn State? Mm-hmm. And they just kept showing the booth, and there was just a defensive coordinator like banging the wall with excitement. Was, was, that, Chester, was, was that Chester Tom. Taylor? Was that Chester Taylor running wild that game? Mm, I think it might have been. Yeah. I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, but that was like that was down years, Bill O'Brien, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they lost to Ohio, I remember too, to open the year. Yes, yes, they did. Uh, and Solich, one of his better wins. And you also have to remember all of these things have backstories, right? And even though it was mm-hmm. a conference game, remember when Minnesota beat Penn State? And people often wonder now why several of us, present company included, on ESPN will refer to the Gophers as Minnesota. The reason is because the late, great Beano Cook came on TV after that and go, that was unbelievable. I did not think that Minnesota could beat Penn State. <laughs> and so that that's the origin of it. I did not think that Minnesota could beat Penn State. I do think... <laughs> That Toledo could. I just thought that was a Lou Holtz, by the way. So that's that's new because he coached at Minnesota. So that, that was always when you did that. I always thought it was him. So I'm Ricky, I'm learning here, Reese. Ricky Foggy. He coached Ricky Foggy when he was at Minnesota. Sweet okay. Lou did. Mm-hmm. It was a cameo for Sweet Lou there, right? He went, it he was a ca- it was a cameo because I believe that uh, Gene Corrigan oh. came in and and brought him to Notre Dame. Mm. Oh, probably a good move. <laughs> yeah, I would say. I would say. <laughs> Let's get weird with this next one. South Alabama at Tulane. Tulane is six and a half point favorite. That's at eight o'clock. Let's go Pete, Reese, Steve. This is a mid-major Super Bowl, right? I mean, you you have the uh, near Sunbelt champion from last year that returns a ton of dudes. And then uh, you have Michael Pratt and the boys running it back for uh, for Tulane. Uh, 
I would expect this game to be wild. You have, you know, Willie Fritz has always had that wide open offense um, as, as they run. And Kane Womack has really established South Alabama defensively as they've gone. Uh, they have the immortal Yam Banks, another potential man crush, uh, who's a who's a pretty high end NFL prospect. That's a uh, that's a safety at uh, at South Al. I am going to go with Tulane. I think this will actually be a low scoring game, and I really just feel like it's a program that's that's instilled ways to win. And and I feel like Fritz is he's a guy who's won at every level and is a crafty enough guy with with a really solid roster to to figure it out in this game. I'm a big Willie Fritz fan. I prior to Mississippi State hiring Mike Leach, I thought he was the right guy for Mississippi State. I thought he would have been a great hire had things worked out at Georgia Tech. Though I hope that Brent Key does well and think that he too could be a great hire. I said that to say I have advocated uh, for Willie Fritz. I think he's a tremendous offensive guy. There's so many guys in coaching who kind of trace their offensive roots back to some of his philosophies and guys who've done very well. Kane Womack has put together a great defense there. He's got Major Applewhite running the offense, in case you were wondering whatever happened to Major. Carter Bradley put together a great year at quarterback last year. And the one thing about South Alabama for being a relatively young program, they have a they have an ill-tempered and kind of, now it's a, it's a small fraction. But they've got a small fraction, ill-tempered fan base who get they get all up in arms if you say anything bad about them or if you don't pick them to win, including part of their broadcast team. However, I digress. Um, but I will say this: it makes me want to pick Tulane, but I'm going upset here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Jaguars, even though you know some of the smart aleck text I got after game day last year, I'd sort of like to, you know, tweak those people and go right back at them and pick against them. I've got a gut feeling about the Jags here and I'm going to, I'm going to take South Alabama in that one. I have this. I like to fact check with Reese on this one. Most combined wins of any from last year, most combined wins of any FBS game this week. That, that has to be right. Because LSU and Florida state won't quite reach, won't quite reach the 22 here, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's got to be. So plenty to like in this game to me. I think back to last year and whatever happened with the Rose Bowl and then, you know, that night with DeMar Hamlin, what lost, I feel like is lost in that day is Tulane beat the Heisman Trophy winner and USC that day in an unbelievable game. And this line makes no sense. You have Tulane, everybody's darling. I, I can't believe this is only six and a half. It stinks. It's my reason I'm taking USA with South Alabama. They should be getting more points. They're not. Watch out. This could be an upset. You wonder if they didn't just throw up on themselves at the end of that game in the Rose Bowl, how different South Alabama might be viewed right now. Remember they tried that just brutal fake field yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. just, just brutal fake field goal. It was a, you know, just a just one of those calls that, you know, just – Ruined a really, really stout day for them, wire to wire. But they were mm-hmm. two plays away from being unbeaten in the regular season, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Main event on the weekend, Sunday night, 730. We got LSU, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida State in Orlando. Let's go Reese, Steve, Pete. This is not a disqualifying game for either team. It could be for Florida State if the Seminoles get blown out. 
then it could make it nearly impossible to get back without being perfect. But if they play a tight game, this can only build both resumes. Uh, I've picked Florida State to go to the playoff. It comes with the caveat that I do think that if they don't navigate September well, meaning this game and the game at Clemson later in the month, then it could get sideways from a psychological standpoint. But I think they're built to win. And while I almost picked LSU to go to the playoff rather than Georgia this year, I'm, I'm going to pick Florida State to win the game in a really close one. Uh, I don't know if it can get closer than it was last year. And last year was a weird, sloppy game. I don't think it'll be like that at all. Seminoles are more established. Brian Kelly uh, certainly has things going in the right direction there. Both teams are playoff contenders, and I think both will be by the end of the night on Sunday. But if I'm going to pick Florida State to go to the playoff and to do so, I say they have to split these two games, LSU and Clemson, I'm going to say they get the first one. So I'm going to take the Seminoles. Uh, I agree. Uh, you mentioned last year's game. It can't be uglier than it was last Ooh. year. Man, that was a brutal uh, game. Obviously, Smith out for LSU I think is a big deal because for the first time in a long time, the weakness of Florida State is not their offensive line. And that's where, Reese, I think I heard you talking about it this offseason. Like, if not now, when for Florida right. State, you have – everything you want and I give Norvell a lot of credit man going back to COVID and those guys on that that were on the roster then and and talking smack to him on Twitter and just I mean that was a mess that was a mess and I love what he's done because he's violated the portal for sure but he's also gone back and now accelerated the recruiting for high school kids I, I love how he's built this thing uh I think he's I think he's a top five play caller in the sport, I really do. And when you look at what he has to work with, I love it. Uh, I think Coleman, the transfer from Michigan State, is an enormous asset in more ways than one. I think he's their best receiver. I think he leads the team in catches this year. And when I think about LSU, it's amazing to me now that we're in it and we're right here on the cusp. All anyone wants to bring up is they beat Alabama last year. That's it. There were a couple stinkers in that season last year, and the quarterback was not good in those stinkers. Uh, and when I look at this matchup, I'll take Jordan Travis over Jaden Daniels. I'll take Florida State. It's a really, really good point. I, I actually saw that Texas A&M score, like looking looking at something, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't remember it was that bad. Like it was, you know, they they laid. They shouldn't a, have uh, beat Arkansas, right? Yeah, they got lucky exactly. to beat Arkansas. Whew. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't want to echo too much of what San Francisco said. I'm going to pick Florida State. I was going to go on a Keon Coleman uh, soliloquy, but he sort of jumped me on it. Uh, elite, elite athlete, buzz yeah. of summer camp, uh, former basketball player at Michigan State where they play some pretty good basketball, was in an offense that's not exactly known for highlighting skill position players. So I really just think with Jordan Travis, with the talent there, I just love the way they use the portal. They take Braden Fisk, best D lineman in the MAC. They stick him as a, a depth guy at D tackle. Um, they got verse last year. They got Fentrell Cypress this year, the best corner from Virginia, one of the better corners in ACC. Um, and again, 200 plus starts scattered along that offensive line. They have SEC depth at the places where the SEC is usually better. And that's ultimately my case for Florida State tonight and my case in picking him as a playoff team. 
congratulations to Brian Kelly and LSU for coming out with a great victory in week one, marching their way to the playoff. We'll call that the Newberry in honor of the way we picked the Navy game. I was going to give it to Don Brown. Give yeah. it to Don oh Brown. yeah, no, it could be the brownie. Maybe we'll call it a brownie when we when we when you when we unanimously pick someone and realize we're going to be wrong. Can I tell? Oh. Can I tell you guys? You guys know how this works on game day football when the when the logos are the same across the bottom of the screen, almost without variation. Yes. There's some type of disaster awaiting that team, uh, some type of disappointment hurtling down the tracks toward them, and. I'm shocked. I shouldn't be, I guess, because people are high on Florida State. I thought I would be the only one taking Florida State among the three of us. I'm really surprised that neither of you took LSU. I I was on LSU before the Mason Smith. I, I think that's that big of a deal. I really do. Um, and I was I was on LSU, but then when I go back and and look at it, I I just the quarterback situation along with that injury or suspension on defense is a difference for me in picking this side. And Reese, to your point, uh, I'd love to be the opposite when that happens on Saturdays and it's all one team. Just come over to me. I'll gladly take the other team, and then you could keep my record. Like, that's my record. I just get the team that no <laughs> one picks. Whenever that happens through the season, I'll take that, and I'll tally up my record at the end of the year. We should we should call it the Brownie and have Marissa Dowling, our great uh, statistician on game day, track the Brownies' record. Because um, everybody picked yeah. New Mexico State on game day, too. Uh, yeah, no, I know. No, so we we need to name it in honor of somebody who uh, benefited from uh, from our, our us being uh, the Pumachan. Yeah, Pumachan might be a good name for you it. You know, um, actually, though, on that particular game, if you picked anyone other than New Mexico State, if you picked anyone, uh, picked UMass over anyone, you're just trying too hard, or you're playing, mm. or you're playing the law of averages. Well, sooner or later, you know, it's. Um, yeah. So at least now, now maybe not that we've seen them and maybe not that they had a good win against New Mexico State. But at that point, you just be trying too hard, I think. So mm. good for them. Maybe the Brownie, Absolutely. the Pumachan, the, uh, I don't know. On my old podcast, we used to have uh, the opposite of Pat Forty. When he would do terrible, we'd call it Tap, and we'd compete with Pat and Tap. <laughs> Tap usually did pretty well. He really didn't like it, which made it a lot more fun. <laughs> Boys, before we get out of here, as we wrap this thing up, anything you're really looking forward to other than football starting full full throttle? I think TCU is very interesting to see what they are, knowing what they're coming off of. And when I see a commercial, all I see is the team that they're playing. That has to be plenty of motivation for them in a home game. Uh, and I'm really excited to see – what Oregon State brings to the table. Because now, what we love doing, Reese, we get to compare teams. SC played San Jose State. Now we get Oregon State to play San. Now we get to compare. You know, that, that that's what I want to see. And and we're going to be stacking those Pac-12 teams all season. So I'm fired up and we get a comparative uh, scenario early after week one. Did you see what Lug said about Colorado? 
It went like kind yeah, of worst, viral. I saw worst, it on Instagram. Worst roster in the history of football, or something to that effect. Yeah, he said the worst roster in the country, and this was before Week One. He said maybe worse than UMass, and his argument was depth on the lines, and I agree with. Their offensive line is not going to be good, and their defensive line is not going to be good. They were atrocious last year. Sure, they brought in some pieces, but I really think they're gonna they're gonna struggle in those trenches. But it was like one of those like whoa. Because, you know, you hear about Hunter and they got the great corner uh, recruit. Cormani McClain. Yes. And they have some nice toys, you know, that they that they picked up in the portal, meaning skill guys, fun players. Um, So that was just a little bit of like, oh, that's uh, that that was an interesting, uh, an interesting take. It was. It was like the note that I sent out early in the week for game day football. It is awesome that Dion has this platform. It is a compelling story. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a great piece with great insight on Dion come Saturday. Let's not forget the guys across the field, at least a lot of them, played for the freaking national championship last year. So we'll hear from Sonny Dykes too, and I'm looking forward to all of those things. So, gentlemen, a lot of fun making the picks. Hope we do better than we did last week, Steve. I guess I gotta hope you do worse, at least except for the ones that you and I picked the same. So look forward to having you out there with us on Saturday morning for College Game Day. Hope you'll join us on Saturday morning wherever you like to watch game day and wherever it is that you like to download this podcast. Thank you for doing it. We'll see you next time.